I want to read from the fourth chapter of the book of John, beginning in verse 7. Beloved, let us not let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. <clears throat> Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. I believe that one of the subjects of the Bible that we neglect is the love of God. The love of God, in my judgment, is the greatest theme that there is in the Bible. The love of God is the reason that the world was created and the reason that man was created. Perhaps we did not stop to realize that it was God's love that caused him to bring the world into creation, into being, and to bring man into being. It was because of God's love and longing for fellowship with man that man was created. We perhaps do not realize that when sin entered into the world and separated man from God, that man not only lost something, but God also lost. The fellowship that God had been able to enjoy with Adam and Eve in the garden was broken. And Adam and Eve not only had, had lost that fellowship with God, but God had lost that fellowship with man. And as a result of that, God's great love could not leave man in the condition that he was in. The heart of God could not rest 
with his creation separated from him by sin, and therefore the scheme of redemption had its origin and beginning as is described in Genesis chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. The verses that I read from 1 John 4 remind us that the love of God is peculiar to God. I used to think that God loved us because of who we were. But reading 1 John 4, John says that's not the case. It's true that God loved us. But God did not love us because of who we were. 1 John 4 teaches that the love of God was self-originated. He said God is love. That is, it's a part of the character of God. It belongs to his nature and to his being. Just as the Bible says that God is light, meaning that light and truth belong to his character and his being, so does, so does the love of God. And therefore, the love of God is not like ours. We love those that love us. Sometimes we may love our enemies, but not often. But that's not true of God's love. And we ought to appreciate the fact that God's love is a part of his character or his nature and his being. And that every action and everything that God does is done in love. There's never a move or a step that God makes but what it's in love. This means that even the punishment of sin comes out of God's heart of love. If God should ignore sin, pay no attention to sin, look the other way while sin <clears throat> exists, then the very throne of God would be overthrown. There'd be nothing solid or sound upon which this world could rest because the very moral laws of the universe would be done away with. And, and the consequence would be that this world would be totally in the hands of Satan. Can you imagine what this world would be like if it was totally in the hands of Satan and all of Satan's wishes and desires were the things that were accomplished, surely we would not want a world like that, and yet that's the kind of world that we'd have. If the love of God and the punishment of sin and the judgment against sin did not issue from his love, those who have the idea that God being a God of love doesn't punish sin, doesn't understand the nature of God and the fact that God is love. The book of Deuteronomy was written, among other things, to try to get the nation of Israel to understand that God loved. That first generation that came out of the wilderness decided that God didn't love them. 
that he had brought them into the wilderness to leave them there to die. And surely if God would mislead them, bring them out in the wilderness and then leave them there to die, he would not be a God of love. Yet that's what they thought. Deuteronomy 1, 27, Moses said that that first generation said that God hated them. <clears throat> and the reason was, as he brought them through the wilderness and they faced the trials, they decided that God hated them, that he was unable to bring them on over into the land of Canaan, that he was unable to fulfill his word. And being unable to fulfill his word, therefore God in reality hated them because he had deceived them. Do we feel that way sometimes? Do I realize that whenever I read statements in the Bible and then decide that God's unable to do what he said he'd do, that if that's the case, then God literally hates me? in the sense in which they said that he did. There are some things in the book of Deuteronomy that remind us of the importance and the nature of the love of God. And in the day in which we're living, perhaps it would be well for us to stop and think about some of the badges of the love of God that set forth in the book of Deuteronomy. For example... In Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 5, Moses said, Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loves thee. You recall the story of how Balaam tried to curse the nation of Israel? <clears throat> Balak, who was king of Moab, trying to damage and destroy the nation of Israel, hired Balaam to come down and curse them. And every time that Balaam tried to curse them, instead, he blessed them. And here Moses said, and the reason that God turned those curses into blessing was because that he loved thee. That's a wonderful statement and a wonderful thought. When Satan set about to ruin man and to make his life a curse, the love of God set about to turn that curse into a blessing. And that's what the scheme of redemption is all about. What we've been studying in the Old Testament, in the, the auditorium class, is the unfolding and the development of God's love and care and concern. And to turn around the curse that was introduced as a result of sin. Aren't you glad that God loves? And that the curse that Satan has tried to bring against men is turned around and made void through the love of God. The world would have been in ruin, hopeless, helpless, apart from the great love of God. 
the curse that sin brought into the world, the damage that it had done, and the run and the havoc that it would have wrought among men is beyond our ability to understand had it not been for the love of God. Determined that while Satan <clears throat> has brought a curse into the world, the love of God would change and offset and take a world that was thrown into despair without God and without hope. Give him the inspiration of hope and enable him to have something to live for and to realize that there are blessings in the world that have come out of the very curse that sin brought into the world. In the third chapter of the book of Galatians, Paul points out, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And out of the curse that sin had brought, the love of God sent his Son into the world that that curse might be set aside, that those of us who are here today might have hope. Then when I realized that the things that people try to do to me that would hurt and harm, if I live and serve God faithfully in reality, they cannot hurt me. I think that's the background of a part of the Beatitudes, which I discussed the last time that I spoke in the place for Rick. But you know, after giving the Beatitudes, the first of the Beatitudes, the last one, <clears throat> said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you, falsely for my name's sake. How can a man be blessed when he's persecuted and mistreated? How can a man be blessed when there are those that despitefully use him? In the Sermon on the Mount, the book of Matthew, and the gospel of Christ shows how that's true. The love of God makes it possible to take the things that men would use to try to hurt and to harm and turn them into a blessing. So many times, the things in life that we think that hurt and harm, if we set them in the right spirit, in the right way, and as Matthew 5 said, pray for them, that despitefully use you, it becomes a blessing. We think that in order for life to be at its best, that life must be easy and without trials and without heartache. But in reality, that's not true. The same book of Deuteronomy reminds these people of the danger when they get over into the land of Canaan and they have houses they did not build and vineyards they did not plant. They enjoy all of this. The danger is that they forget God and forget what life is all about. That's true of all of us. In the midst of <coughs> life, 
going along easy unless we're careful, we'll forget about what life is all about. Until we're faced with some trial, some difficulty, we don't always appreciate it. And that's the reason that James says that we ought to find joy in Christ. Because out of the trials of life, charity is the best. The better things of life are appreciated. Even life itself is appreciated more when we're faced with trials and difficulties. Just this week. This and the man in the hospital. He's already had surgery for the removal of the cancer from one lung. They didn't get all of it and spread to the other one. He's taking chemotherapy. And I started to leave the room, he said, Will you pray for me? I said, yes, would you like to have prayer now? He said, yes. I stood beside the bed and prayed. And I started to leave. Grasp my hand. You could sense the seriousness and tears in his eyes. Yet not a word was said. You mean to tell me that life is not serious for him? That he's not looking at things? As perhaps he's never looked at him in all of his life before. And yet even in the midst of all of these, we are Christians. That curse can be turned into a blessing. Think about <clears throat> facing the end of life. Hopefully. Knowing that the Bible says by one man sin entered into the world and by sin came death. All of us must come to that place. Now think about the darkness and the despair. The depth of hopelessness. Had it not been for the love of God. I think it's wonderful that, among other things, that the love of God, understanding perhaps there's never a deeper dark of despair, nor a more frustrating journey to face, or an event to come face to face with. And death itself. 
our God knowing that. Send his son into the world and let his son face death. That out of that death the love of God could drive away the darkness and the despair. What a morning it was. For a dark and dreary world. When the love of God opened that tomb. And rolled away the stone. Taking the very curse that sin had brought of death, came, letting the light of his word, the light of his love, throw back its shadow, help to drive away its thought. Provide light and hope in the darkness of death itself. Aren't you glad that God loves you? Aren't you glad that the love of God would lay hold of the curses of sin and turn them even into blessings? We don't think enough about it. We sing the songs, but I suspect those of us who pray don't talk enough about it. The Bible's full of it, and we need to appreciate it. But not only does 1 John 4 talk about God's love and uh, its relation to man and redeeming man. He talks about that being the propitiation of his love in verse 10. But he also points out that one of the reasons that God loves us is that out of the impact of God's love in my life, I can learn to love like God does. And that's what these verses say, among others. <clears throat> Notice, he said, Beloved, uh, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Not to love is to say there is no God. One cannot know God and not love, because God is love. And then not only is that the case, <clears throat> he points out that the love of God, <clears throat> verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And therefore, the love of God touching my heart and life intends to teach me to love. And to fail to love is to fail to be touched by the love of God and to understand the love of God and to be affected and motivated by the love of God. 
The life that's hard and cruel hasn't come under the influence of the love of God. Therefore, we need to open our lives to God's love. And now, as it floods our soul, to let it motivate us to love. It ought to lead us to love him first of all and then to love one another. But to love God is to love others, and that's what this chapter says. How much that's needed. My judgment that the greatest weakness in the restoration movement has been a failure to appreciate what the New Testament teaches about love, or what the Bible teaches about it. It'll take care of many of the problems that we are confronted with today. Love makes our work easy. You remember how Jacob, being given Leah, the record says in Genesis 28, I believe it is, that he worked seven years, seven years more. And they seemed unto him as but a few days because of his love to leave, or rather race. Think about a man working se uh, 14 long years and saying that they are only as a few days. Whenever the love of God touches our heart, then it'll cause us to serve him willingly and gladly. Serving the Lord will not be burdened. Serving wherever we may have the opportunity will not be a burden, but will be a joy. Can you conceive of the Son of God departing the portals of heaven to come down and live among men? Burdened because the world needed to be redeemed from ruin. Can you see him dragging his feet, complaining and murmuring because of the dreadful task that was before him in facing all that he faced that man might be redeemed? In Hebrews 12, the answer is given. He endured the cross, despising the shame, for the joy that was set before him. Out of his love for his father and for a world that was lost, he was willing to go to the cross that we might be redeemed. I really think that if there's anything that's needed in our world today, needed in the church, more than anything else, it is that we open our Bibles until the love of God floods our soul and we come to really appreciate God's love. And as that love floods our soul, then in turn it reproduces that love within us and causes us to love, to love God and to love the serve and to love a world that's lost and to love our brethren. As I close the lesson this morning, I want to read from the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, the last verses of that chapter, beginning in verse 31. 
What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It's, it's Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now then, listen. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril of sword. As it's written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We are a county sheep for a slaughter. May in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To be a child of God and to faithfully serve him, Paul said, you'll be surrounded by the love of God and there's all that can separate you from that love. In the world that's confused today and anxious, care and concern on every side, uncertainty everywhere, what a wonderful thing to be a Christian, to know that God's love for me is a special love. We are beloved in his Son. He loves the world, but there's a special way that he loves his people. To know the greatness of the love of God and to know that that love is special toward me brings peace of mind and satisfaction of heart that can be found nowhere else. I ask you as I close the lesson today, aren't you glad that God loves you? How dark and dreary it must have been to live in an idle world where men didn't know the true and living God, where they had the idea that God were vengeful. And the love of God that's set forth in the Bible is that which is peculiar to God. Read every description of every idol that's given anywhere in the Bible. Whatever you may find there that men attribute to them, there's one thing that will always be out there. That is love. That's peculiar to our God. I'm glad that I have a Bible that tells me about God, that I don't live in a world of idols, and I can know the love of God and the meaning of God's love, of his care and his concern. It redeemed me from sin. It'll see me through the world. And one day in its very presence, I shall bask in the sunshine of his love. Right, he Does the love of God touch your heart today? Are you glad that he loves you? Doesn't it make you want to give up sin, turn away from sin, and serve God? Doesn't it make you 
your love, his love, make you love him and want you to obey him? Do you believe that Christ is the Son of God? Are you penitent of your sin? Will you confess your faith in him and be baptized today? And then live with that love of God around your life until you die. Showing, spending the rest of your life feeling that you're in debt because of the wonderful love of God. You've gone back and loved the world. Aren't you sad and sorry? Don't you see what you're missing today? Can you not see what you're doing to the great heart of God with him loving you as he is? Don't you want to turn from that? If you're subject to the invitation, we invite you to come this morning. While together we stand.